The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Oh, my goodness. We're getting a late start. If anybody is listening live, and I do want to apologize to my guests, I'm in Paris learning to speak French, and this gives me an opportunity to use some of my French. I get to say, c'est ma faute, which means it's my fault. I spent a couple of days in London first, really just one full day. So if you're somebody that I know in London and you wonder why I didn't call you, that was actually my get over jet lag day. Although I must say that I did meet with a couple of old friends, one of whom was my 90-year-old yoga teacher who was on the show a while back. She was on the show um, that Neil Barnard was on. So if you didn't listen to that one and want to check it out, it's way inspiring, and that was wonderful. But anyway, I planned everything out. I was going to be right on time for the show, thinking that Europe time was Europe time. But unfortunately, England is an hour later than France So that's what happened. So without further ado, let us jump right in to this wonderful, wonderful, very international show. We're going to be starting today with a couple of really fascinating people. I met Howard Kettleston at The Seed, a vegetarian event in New York City last year, and discovered his fabulous product called Arty Water. Now, I was especially interested in arty water because it's artichoke water, artichoke 
juice, and he can tell you a little bit more about that. They have to have a special machine to get all the good stuff out of the artichokes. And of course, because there is an artichoke on the cover of my book, Main Street Vegan, I immediately gravitated there, and oh my gosh, when I tasted this stuff, I was a total fan. Howard Kettleston, Ph.D., is co-founder and CEO of Artie Water. He's a scientific leader, innovator, and an athlete who works across multiple consumer fitness and medical industries. He actually hails from Montreal, but I don't speak enough French to be speaking French with him, so we can do all of this in English. Now, joining us is, is someone else that you've probably heard of because he's wildly popular online, and that is Dustin Harder. Dustin Harder is the vegan roadie. Now, he actually is a roadie, meaning that he helps out with all the behind-the-scenes stuff in theater productions. He's now with the traveling production of Annie, and in addition, he checks out vegan restaurants all over everywhere, and he has teamed up with Howard and Artie Water on a joint venture that is quite fascinating. So welcome, Howard and Dustin. Thank you Hi, for Victoria. having us. Thank you. <laughs> it's lovely to have you both here. Howard, let's start with you. There are all sorts of things out there on the market to drink. But when you read the labels of some of them, even though they say healthy and sporty and all that, ain't necessarily so. Tell us what's going on out there and why you wanted to do something different. Yeah, absolutely. It's that's a that's a great starter. A part of the reason, you know, when you look at these labels, is FDA doesn't really regulate labeling, um, you know, effectively for a lot of products. And of course, as you know. Uh, being vegan, it's very difficult to know exactly what's put in a lot of these products because some of them may have processing involved with the uh, components in the uh, in the drink or the food. So one really, when it comes down to it, you know, there's this vast array of products. And I was just at the Expo West in Anaheim. I just came back on Monday. And, you know, 70,000 people, hundreds of just water products. I mean, it's, it's fascinating, but it's also a bit scary because you have to be almost a PhD in chemistry to figure out what's going on and where the origin of these things are. So, you know, my, my view of all of this is be prudent in how you look at things, ask questions, and hopefully, like shows like this where you're doing this amazing job of educating people, we can um, provide um, background and information that people can make selective choices of what's best for their health. That's wonderful. So, um, <clears throat> Dustin, what, what do you have to do with Artie Water and then tell us what you're doing otherwise? Sure. I met, uh, I met Howard at the seed like you did. And like you, I was a total fan of this water. Um, you know, I believe in the, the, the benefits of it and it's been nice to go around and I feel there's an overwhelming, uh, sort of like saturation of specialty waters out there. And Artie Water actually spoke out to me and kind of stood out from the rest because it was an artichoke and it caught my attention. And then I tasted it and it was delicious. So I've been having fun, you know, when I do events or speak or cooking class, talking about it with people and, and, educating them on the benefits of the arty water. Um, and on that note, I'm just traveling. I do classes, demonstrations, and I'm filming a web series that um, highlights vegan cuisine along the country so I can create a roadmap for vegans and uh, veg curious as I go along. Okay, you've got to tell us your very favorite restaurant so far. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
That is only so one. You only get difficult. one. Oh, you can have a runner but up. I will one say and a runner up. That the um, this episode we just released was our fourth episode. It featured uh, Lulu's Eatery in uh, St. Louis. It was so fantastic and so inspiring. I love these people, and they just truly offer some some really amazing dishes with ingredients right from their garden that they actually grow on top of their food truck and and on their their patio outside. So it's very local, sustainable. So they were very inspiring to me. I love that restaurant. Wow, and that's right there in Missouri. It's just a down the road a piece on I-70 from uh, yes, our engineer Jeff there in Lee <laughs> Summit, Missouri. Okay, yes. Lulu's St. Louis, yummy. There's, so, uh, um, there's uh, Victoria and Dustin. Yeah. There's a great restaurant in um, Fort Worth called the Spiral Diner. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever have a chance to check out the Fort I'm Worth. I'm writing it uh, down. I will be there in the spring. Spiral Diner. Yeah. Spiral Diner, it's on Magnolia Street, one of the coolest little blocks of sustainable restaurants, farm-to-table cuisine, and this vegan restaurant will uh, knock you off your foot. I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it's like a, a 1950s diner that won't send you to the emergency room. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Love it. You got it. So what, Howard, are some of the key nutrition trends, especially for vegans? Yeah, the, you know, I would say, obviously, you know, fresh um, fruits and vegetables have been part of, you know, the trend in trying to do cold pressing, high pressure processing to retain um, the nutrients. Generally speaking, if you look across the juicing community and and what people are understanding more about retention of these uh, nutrients. But what really has caught my eye as especially, you know, being the the chemist is fermentation. Um, Fermented uh, vegetables and fruits really seem to be moving um, very quick in in the consumer area. And there's a lot of reasoning behind that, of course, because processed foods, as you know, um, can damage uh, the lining in your digestive tract and kill good bacteria. So there's a lot of great small um, companies and trends that are, I think, coming out where fermented vegetables and fruits, which are known to develop great strains of uh, good strains of bacteria and are able to diversify the flora in the digestive tract. And this, you know, is well known in the medical community um, in impacting the gut flora to potentially prevent infections and provide well-functioning immune systems. So I think this is a really important trend. Uh, and a part of Arty Water, of course, is trying to take a fresh vegetable and use it in a, in a, in a water. Um, and, I, and I say that because there's other trends of, you know, using maple water, aloe vera, and things like this. And one, I think, is moving towards, you know, uh, some very nice products that really are good for um, the digestive tract and overall can provide uh, potentially approaches for disease prevention, which I think is amazing. And people, I think, consumers need to look more into this. Mm, well, that's exciting. I know when people talk about raw foods and the raw food groups, sometimes they add fermented foods as, as a separate right. Food group because it can be right. so important. So I know that you are at least um, in the prototype stage with a ginger arty water, which yes, I am crazy the, about. I think we ginger. Just, we just launched that at the Expo West um, on Friday. 
um, and we gave out over a thousand bottles uh, samples. Uh, we actually ran out on Saturday. We didn't have any on Sunday. It was so popular. Ha <laughs> ha! Well, and that's you will wonderful. be getting you will be getting a twelve pack next week. Well, I am so wonderful. If you want to send me a twenty four pack, I'll serve it. Yeah, Dustin, I have Dustin. I have a I have a special pack for you. Believe me. All right. All right. <laughs> well. I'm actually being greedy and asking for more because we do have a Main Street Vegan Academy program coming up um, starting April 10th. And we'll have uh, oh, 16 eager students going out to be vegan lifestyle coaches all around the country and I think a couple of other countries. They would love to try it out. Absolutely. So, Dustin, let's just jump over to you again. Why the vegan roadie? <laughs> well, there are some shows out there, unfortunately, that I feel are highlighting how, uh, you know, you can easily create a heart attack in America, but I don't feel there are any shows out there that are highlighting how you can have a beneficial diet and not sacrifice taste and food and an amazing cuisine. Um, you know, it's just, it, it, some people think if they're going to have vegan food, it's just, it's not going to taste good or, you know, they have to give up certain things. And I just don't feel that's the case. So I feel there's some amazing restaurants out there doing amazing things. And for me, it's not just that it's beneficial to our health. It also happens to taste good. So I really wanted to highlight some restaurants that are doing some really amazing work out there. Well, I think you're very smart to be doing this as a web series. You never know when somebody might pick that up. But I know people who, who have wonderful, wonderful ideas, wonderful pilots, and, and they're trying to get shows on television, and they're always told you can't get sponsors. John Joseph, uh, who, who was a guest on the show, he's sure. such a great guy, and, and he had a wonderful reality show, and all these stations, all these networks were fighting over it. Until it came down to, well, does it have to be all vegan? Right, said, right. Well, yeah, if I'm going to do it, it does. And sure. so, so that didn't happen. So you're smart to be doing it on your own. Now, Thanks. you sent me some questions, Dustin. And you, one I think is really fun. If you had to choose a kitchen appliance as your soulmate, what would it be? <laughs> um, Oh, gosh. I didn't even think about what my answer would be, really, because um, I used to have so many when I was in school. But I would probably be a Vitamix because it just seems to blend everything up and keep everything nice and fluid. <laughs> That's really good. Okay, I want to ask you something, Howard. When I met you last year, I don't think you had been hanging around with vegans for a really long time. I think maybe we were still a little bit odd. What do right. you think of this, <laughs> of us at well, this point? No, well, actually, that's, you know, so one of the co-founders, her name's Reka. She's a vegan. Um, yes. And she's actually one of my close uh, friends. Um, and... So we, both of us have been involved, you know, in in various scientific uh, projects over the years that we've been working together. And so I've and I also have a mentor who retired from Alcon, whose name is Doss and now lives in Sri Lanka, um, who was a vegan. So I, I kind of in many ways, you know, uh, totally have been involved to some degree with people around me. And, you know, my my uh, family is half German and my Oma and Opa in Germany uh, had a farm 
and I was there, you know, for most, for a lot of my childhood summers, and, you know, we essentially, um, fruits, vegetables were, uh, essentially a food, major food item that we always prepared, and like Dustin was kind of saying is, it's amazing how things have evolved with the food um, environment and how wonderful these chefs are starting to practice uh, vegan cuisine in a very, you know, not only a nutritional way, but an elegant way that actually amazingly appetizing. Um, and I think there's a big trend, which I loved your book about, and that is it's, it's about, it's not just a, a practice of, you know, um, I'm going to eat this way because, you know, I think it makes, it, it, it's, I believe in it. It's actually, you not only do you believe in it, um, but it, there's actually some amazing benefits uh, from it. And I think people are just starting in the general public to learn more about these things. And I'm a, I'm I'm very pro um, you know understanding of what the value of this brings to the table because if you do it right um, the the proof is in the pudding you know that you can see the the the, the way the people uh, eat live and the way how they're able to practice a life which um, is enjoyable and that's the most important thing to me and I really um have uh, taken this um you know very seriously over the last several years that I've had these friends and I think it's amazing and I I've read your book four times already um Oh my and, goodness. I mean just the science of it, the health, the nutrition, you just don't, you know, it's not one dimensional. It's multi-dimensional and that's what people need to understand. Well, this this is so true. And just finally, Howard, tell us why artichokes and why arty water should be a vegan's new go-to beverage? So, yeah, so I think we had that question um, probably about a thousand times at the show. The first thing that everyone says is, why artichokes? Um, and, you know, either we're really crazy as a company or we're really smart. Crazy because the first thing that most people do is say, I will not touch that. Um, and, you know, that obviously is an educational thing. But artichokes, if you look across all the food, uh, the, the, the vegetables, you know, broccoli, leeks, uh, celery, artichokes are one of the top antioxidant-based vegetables um, in, in the vegetable family. Um, and the reason for that is because they, um, their antioxidant properties um, come from a number of sources, one of which, of course, are polyphenols which are amazingly high in artichokes. So you have sicoric acid, silymarin, rutin, uh, cynarin, gallic acid, and all of these play a role, if you look in the literature, of digestion, um, of uh, hepatoprotective, which is liver uh, inflammation, protective properties, uh, redu reduction of arthritis, um, antiviral, that doesn't mean that, you know, arty water is going to have those medical benefits, of course, but the reasoning is that why don't we should be taking a look at, at, at farms in the communities of the United States that have these, these, these amazing vegetables that are not used by most of the public. And instead of using like a watermelon, you know, or uh, an apple, you know, let's, let's start looking at other sources of, of nutrient-based, plant-sourced, uh, you know, uh, raw materials that we can leverage and use and support not only the farmers out there, but support uh, vegan and the movement that's moving forward, you know, to bring tasty products to the marketplace. 
Well, I love it. And I love it that it's not sweet. I love it that you can heat it, that you don't always uh, have to have it cold. And you can find out more about Howard and, and his work and all the science going on over there at artywater.com. And um, look for it in a supermarket near you. Now, Thank you. Dustin, it's in uh, New York and New Jersey as well, in the whole the Whole Foods. Fantastic. Now, Dustin, uh, before we we move on to our next guest, I know we're just having to move right ahead here, but (laughs) you're you're a chef, you're a graduate of the Natural Gourmet Institute, you worked in the kitchen of Chloe Cascarelli that, you know, all of us know. So what's, what's your, you know, this is so funny, you actually put this on your question list and our Next guest is going to be talking about veganism in Christianity. So I love the question that you included that said on the 700 Club, Pat Robertson responded to a concerned viewer who feared that ever since her family moved to Santa Fe, they've been exposed to new age spirituality, such as dream catchers, yoga, and veganism, and wondered (laughs) if she should let her daughter take yoga classes with one of her friends. So what would you have told that woman if you had been there on the 700 Club with Pat? Oh, I would have said that it's a wonderful thing that they're moving there and to keep their mind up into amazing new possibilities because you never know what you will discover. Tell me, as someone who has tasted all the vegan food that's around and about, what's your favorite dish? Oh, my favorite dish, I'm always looking for an amazing macaroni and cheese because I do believe as vegans we can still get the comfort food in there. And so far, number one on my list is at Sublime Restaurant in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. They have an amazing macaroni and cheese. Um, And then second to that would be a Reuben that I just had at Duo's Kitchen in Indianapolis. A tempeh Reuben at Duo's Kitchen. I am loving all this Midwest stuff because I'm a Kansas City girl and it's just so cool. Well, that's what we want to talk about. it. That's where we want people to know. It seems out on the coast there's more knowledge and we need to move in a little bit more, I think, so people are educated and know that the food is available to them. Well, when I left Kansas City, three vegan restaurants opened, so there you go. You can find (laughs) out more about Dustin. On his website, veganroadie.com. He's on Facebook at The Vegan Roadie, as The Vegan Roadie. And he is on Instagram and Twitter at The Vegan Roadie. And you can also find the videos on the YouTube channel. So thank you both so much. I apologize for the shortness of the time, but I think you've really made up for it in the depths of your answers Arty Water, Vegan Roadie, may you make incredible splashes in this world. Big Arty Water splashes for us all. Thanks so much, yes. Howard and Dustin. Thank you so Thank much. You uh, merci us. beaucoup. Bonjourney. <laughs> merci. Bye-bye. And if you want to just stay with us, I hope you want to stay with us, we're going to be bringing on someone fascinating, Reverend Frank Hoffman. Now, what would you think of a gentleman of a certain age who has a reverend in front of his name? And if he were to send you an email on his signature line, it would say, if we really want God to bless America and the earth, go vegan. 
Stay with us and we'll hear all about it. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody, and welcome immediately to our next guest, Frank Hoffman. Reverend Frank Hoffman, let me give you the introduction that you deserve. And I am such a fan. If you ever get a chance to hear this man speak, listeners, please, please do that. First, you can find him online at www.all-creatures.org. Now, here's who this man is. Frank L. Hoffman and his wife, Mary, are the founders of the Mary T. and Frank L. Hoffman Family Foundation, which they formed in 1997. Frank hosts their website, and he is a longtime vegan and animal rights advocate. He's a retired church pastor and carries on their ministry via their website and other media. Since this is the Lenten and Easter season, we're looking into what's going on with Christians and vegans. And actually next week, because of Passover, we're going to be looking into Judaism and veganism. So, Reverend Hoffman, these are kinds of strange connections. A lot of people don't think that there are connections between these religions of the book and veganism. But you see it differently. Tell us about that. I'm glad to be with you, Victoria, too. There are a lot of differences. But... The, the key factor, I think, that we have to look at is that from the very beginning of creation, God created the world as a peaceful place. There was no killing, there was no hurting for animals or humans, and God gave both humans and animals a vegan food to eat, which was plant foods. And he said that everything he made was very good. That was the statement he made, and if you want the verses, because you said I would do chapter and verse, that's Genesis 1, 29 to 31. If we, if we look at that as we go through the Bible, and we, we see the connection, we, we see that God always tried to bring people back to a vegan diet. We strayed from that way of, of, of eating, uh, we call it the fall when even Adam ate from the tree of the uh, knowledge of good and evil. We see it with the, uh, the introduction of killing when Cain uh, killed Abel. And we see it in, in their lifestyle because they already were raising animals. God led the Israelites uh, 
out of Egypt, which is bringing up next week's Passover, and he brought them into the wilderness, and what did he feed them? He fed them bread from heaven, which was a vegan food uh, with manna, and people rebelled against that. Then we, we, we see even, you know, I even skipped over uh, Noah on the ark, because if we look at that story, we see that the animals and humans didn't die. I mean, no, nobody killed each other. And they had to have eaten plant food, even though the Bible doesn't specifically say it. That's the only thing that's left. But after Noah landed the ark, for some reason he sacrificed some of the animals, and while God accepted it, he said, man is evil from his youth. So we see this corruption coming through the Bible and God constantly trying to bring us back together. And way back, the Holy Spirit just put on my heart that we have to find a way to get this message across because all the way through the Bible, into the New Testament, we're, and on into heaven, we see that the whole gist of God's living is to turn away from the corruption of this world. And the corruption of this world began with killing and the eating of animals and disobeying God. So when we look at it that way, there's a lot of differences in the way people think, but there's really no difference. This is the way God wants us to live. And I... Now, I go ahead. Well, Frank, when you say this, it makes so much sense. I don't even have anything to argue with. And yet, just like the question that um, Dustin was talking about, the woman on the 700 Club wanted to make sure that her soul was safe living in a place where there were vegans. Well, they can be. And they could even take yoga, though I don't follow the yoga, the religious side of it. But there is, there's nothing wrong with that. Because the health, when we became vegan, which was 28 plus years ago, I guess now, our health dramatically improved. We did it for reasons of compassion, but our health improved. So we see that there's a benefit. The, and and uh, we saw dramatic benefits within three weeks. And if that isn't following God's creation intent, I don't know what is. So uh, I, I wonder if that answers your question. I, well, I that, answer, that, that absolutely answers it beautifully. Now, tell me a little bit about you. I want to know what, what brand of minister you are and what inspired you and your wife to take this compassionate stand quite a long time ago. Yes, it was. Uh, we began to see that the traditional realm of Christianity wasn't really answering the question of what God wanted us to do. And, um, you know, I'll speak as a pastor, but the Holy Spirit put on our hearts that we had to make a difference. We had to let people know the truth. That killing hardens our hearts. And if we eat an animal, we had to harden our hearts so we have no longer have compassion for it. And the example I use is I don't think there's very many people, well, let's talk about here in the United States, I don't think there's anybody here in the United States, really, that would kill their family companion animal, their cat or their dog, and eat it for dinner. I think that would sicken most people. Well, if that kind of thing sickens people, then eating any other animal should, too. And 
we began to look at there's something that is missing from mainstream Christianity, Judaism, that has hardened the hearts of the people, including the pastors of almost, well, I'm going to say most churches, because they follow along with the corrupt ways of this world. And we began to realize that, and I guess it was back in, when we realized we had to make this change, it was back in the 80s. And by 1997, when we formed our foundation, we decided that the answer to the problem could not be handled in the normal way of church ministry. It needed to have another avenue, another venue to get that message out. And we wanted to go on the Internet. And so we formed our, our website in January of 1998 and started to put this message out on the Internet. And we found that in one day on the Internet, we had more people come to our website than we had in the previous 10 years of church ministry, different people that we, that we hit. So it confirmed to us that this was the way to go. So in 1998, we resigned from church ministry and decided to carry on the ministry over the Internet and make that the main goal. And we can touch more churches, more individuals, and our ministry is now spread around the world. And we host other websites uh, as far away as Australia and Japan, and we we minister all over the world. So that, that is so exciting. I was just talking to my friends in, in London about going to the U.K. back in 19... Gosh, 19... 19- 80, 81, to research my first book, Compassion, the Ultimate Ethic. And one of the people that I stayed with was a Roman Catholic priest in Dublin who was vegetarian and an animal rights proponent. And he told me that he would stay at a parish for just about a year. Then he would give his animal rights sermon. Then they would move him somewhere else. So I'm (laughs) wondering if you ran into any backlash. Did people think you had... uh, gone to the dark side? Well, not in our churches. Um, I happen to be very ecumenical, and I show people the difference, and I talk to them about it, and it, we, we move people by love. Now, there's other people that try fear tactics. They try to hit people over the head with the Bible and try to bring them in around that way. It doesn't work. And so, from the church standpoint, we did all right. In other churches, not so well. Um, I was asked to speak at uh, a, a um, uh, what they call a two-point church. They have two it's a, two churches in the same ministry. And we went and spoke there one week, and they invited us back the next week. And the one church, we had about 90% of the population of the church boycott it. They didn't come. Mm-hmm. So, so that gives you an example of what happens. Uh, I, yeah, I wish people could have seen your expression on the radio. <laughs> uh, but the hierarchy of the church was a constant battle. They didn't want to hear that animals have souls and spirits, and yet the founder of the Methodist Church believed that animals had souls and spirits. They didn't believe in... Uh, um, he, uh, John Wesley wrote a book uh, 
where uh, he talked about uh, the problems in the church and, and the different things. And they didn't want to hear about that. They didn't want to hear about uh, perfection and, and uh, living in the perfection of God uh, because they didn't want to live that way themselves. And uh, we run into those kind of problems quite a bit. Uh, but when we come down to the grassroots side of things, and a few religious leaders, we find that there is a difference. And we can make that difference by concentrating on the people that will listen, put the message out for the people that don't want to listen, and I know they hear the message, they just don't want to accept it. And there's a difference. And I think you found that uh, in all of your teachings, and I've seen that in your books and your writings, that... Uh, you talk about different ways of approaching uh, different people. So we have that same kind of problem, but we just decided we're going to preach to the people that will listen. We're going to teach the people that will listen. We're going to put everything out there to help. We're going to put out our vegan recipes. We're going to put out our sermons. We're going to put out poetry and pictures and um, you know, we have a whole collection of nature studies that we put on our website. Things that let people come back to the creation intent of God, to see the beauty. And on every one of the pages, there's a little quip why we put it up there. That people would understand and protect the creation. Mm. And as I the wanna, five, Go ahead. Go. Oh, I want to play a little game with you, Frank. Because 99.9% of the people who listen to this listen later as a podcast, so they can't call in and ask you questions. But I'm going to be the person who is giving them a hard time. I'm going to be the person at their church who's saying things. So I'm going to just throw out a question, and you give me the good, quick vegan answer, and we'll just go back and forth like ping pong for a few minutes, okay? Okay. Okay. First question. If animals have souls, how come Genesis said that God breathed a soul into man? Well, they're not reading the whole Bible, particularly in the Hebrew. Uh, the Hebrew says, and the, the uh, verse that you quoted was Genesis 2-7. Uh, God breathed the breath of life into man, and he became a living soul. Well, that term, that Hebrew term, is nefesh hayah. Now, that term is also used in Genesis 1, where God created all of the animals. And that same term is there. Now, it's only, in my opinion, the corruption of the Bible translators that change the word from living soul to creature or animal or beast. But the, the term that was used in the original Hebrew was living soul. So, wow. Okay. That's so exciting. I'm thinking that uh, Pope Francis must know some Hebrew, too, because he said animals had soul, and, and then I heard he had to retract it or just stop talking like that because some of the theologians were giving him a hard time. I uh, Okay, but even Jesus ate fish. Well, not really. There is only one verse in the Bible after his resurrection from the dead where... He was offered a honeycomb, this is in the Greek, a honeycomb and a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it. So we'll leave the it to what it was that he ate, 
the Bible in, in most of the English translations leave out the honeycomb portion and just say that they offered him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it. Well, if he did eat the broiled fish, it was as a demonstration or something, but I don't believe he did. I think Jesus was a, a vegan, or maybe not a vegan in those days, but he was definitely a vegetarian. And there's no place in the Bible, while he was incarnate upon this earth, where there's any message that he ate any animal, including at Passover. So he didn't eat the lamb, he didn't eat any other animal. So that, I think, is an important factor. And he told stories about eating animals, but he didn't do it. But he hung out with fishermen. Sure he did. And if you remember, and maybe we can go after his, um, before and after his uh, resurrection. When he got his disciples and he took them away from fishing, he said one thing to them. He says, I will make you into fishers of men. You're no longer going to be fishers or fish killers. You're going to be life givers to humans. And after his resurrection, he, he helps, uh, Peter takes all the people back, all of the disciples back, and they go fishing. And Jesus is on the shore. And he decides to give them some fish. So many that they were gonna, their lines were going to break, their net was going to break. And he brings them back, and then with all of these fish, Jesus looks at Peter, who organized this, and he said, Peter, do you love me more than these? People think he's talking about the other disciples, but that's not the context. Do you love me more than these fish? And if so, go tend my flock. And he asked him that three times and responds similarly. And the key was that Peter nor any of the other disciples went back to the fishing ever again. They became pure evangelists of the good news. And so we... We don't see this happening anymore. So um, Jesus changed the world for those that would listen. And if you look at the Beatitudes, uh, Jesus says in, in, in the Beatitudes, everything that is, is a blessing, you can't do if you're killing animals. You can't do if you harden your heart. And he tells us we're to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect, the last verse in chapter 5. And then he, in, the, in the Lord's Prayer, he says... The second part of the Lord's Prayer says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no death in heaven. There's no pain. So if if that's the case, you can't kill animals and be in the heavenly will of God. You can't be an animal eater if you're in the creation intent of God. So what, what do you do? You bypass all of the bad stuff in the middle. But, says the devil's advocate, God said that we were supposed to have dominion. Of course. And we do have dominion, but we have misinterpreted it into the word dominance. And a cruel dominance. And what dominion means in the context of the Bible is that we are to be stewards of God's creation. We're to protect his creation and keep it from harm. Because after he gives us dominion, and after he gives us vegan food, he says it is very good. And you can't go back on what he created and say, no, he didn't mean that. 
But he did. It shall be food for you. It was a command. You shall eat plant foods. So when we see that, we know that it's a misinterpretation, uh, whether deliberate or accidentally, and I don't think it's accidentally, that we want to think that we can do anything we want to animals, and we lie to ourselves that animals can't feel pain, and they suffer horribly at humans' hands. Wow. Well, I'm just going to stop being the devil's advocate now because it's no fun. You're such a, a good responder. Well, of course not. You have to be God's. You have to be God's advocate. <laughs> well, and being vegan, I guess. In you would say, and I mean, I would say, if anybody cares, is being God's advocate. Now, I do have to ask you about the signature line on your email. When I saw that, I thought, well. This man must really be close to God because he's going to need divine assistance from the flack that he will get from that signature line. Has has anybody given you a hard time? Only a few people, believe it or not. <laughs> over over the thousands and thousands of emails we send out, very few people have ever complained about it. So why why do you think that being vegan has this kind of, you know, hippie, new age reputation. And I mean, Lord knows I was a little too young for the hippies. I've done my share of new age, but I feel like I'd be vegan despite all that. So what's the deal? Yeah, on the other hand, we were a little too old for the hippies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, the reason that I think people think it's hippie is because in their approach to love, a lot of the hippies movement people uh, chose not to kill and eat animals. And I think we see that coming out in uh, more of a mainstream from those people in those days. And people sort of think it's or want to think that that's it, or they think, as you mentioned um, to the previous uh, people you were talking to, that. Um, People think it's Eastern, um, and, and uh, that they're getting away from Christianity, uh, and that's not true. Uh, the Hebrew began, and, and we are, uh, whether we look at it or not from a Christian standpoint, we're an offshoot of the Hebrew uh, religion, we're a sect that separated itself, uh, but all the way back, it was a vegan community, it was a plant-based diet that we were to be on. So wow. uh, the, the whole problem that we have is because we don't look at the intent. So do you believe that Jesus was an Essene? They were a vegetarian uh, group? Well, uh, I don't know whether he was an Essene or not. Um, it says in the Bible that he was a Nazarene and... Um, there's strong indication that they also may have been a, a vegan society or a vegetarian society. There were several around in that area. There were uh, You had the, the scenes and uh, some others that were in the Dead Sea area, and then you had others that were around the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the Nazarenes were one, the Ebionites were another. There's, there's other groups that were there that were uh, most likely vegetarian. So we see this, and 
they, these vegetarian sects were, al- were alive and functioning during the time of Jesus uh, being there. So the indication is that he may have been of one of these groups. Uh, the reason they, uh, whether he was an Essene or not, uh, the, the Bible seems to in- indicate that he was a Nazarene. So uh, I- I'm not going to speculate on that side. But um, we'll let that stand that he was a, he was a plant food eater, not an animal eater. That is so cool. I just, I can't believe how rapidly this has gone, Frank. We'll have to have you back again. But just quickly, before we have to stop, um, all-creatures.org, that's your umbrella website. And one of the other groups underneath that is the Christian Vegetarians of North America. Do I have that right? Uh, Christian Vegetarian Association. Yeah, we're on the board. Yeah, we're on the board. Uh, The president of that is uh, Steve Kaufman. And uh, he, he runs that organization, and I think you've met Steve. Uh, and uh, we're on each other's boards, and we concentrate more on the vegan animal rights side. He concentrates more on the vegan health side. And so we're, we look at similar things, but we're more into the animal side uh, than he is. So it, it's, it's a little bit different. And, uh, we, it's all wonderful. That. I think it's very healthy on a whole variety of levels to be on the animal side. Reverend Frank Hoffman, you are doing God's work in the world. Absolutely. I could listen to you for hours, and I think I will be listening to you at Vegetarian Summerfest in Johnstown, Pennsylvania this uh, July. I'm not sure we're going to be there, but we hope to. Well, if you're not there, then there'll be a great big old hole in Vegetarian Summerfest. And you heard that from me. Thank you so, so very much. The website is all-creatures.org. And I always say at the end of my show, God bless you. So I'm going to say it extra. God bless you, readers, listeners, and God bless you, Frank Hoffman. And everybody, eat your veggies. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central. 1 p.m. Eastern on Affirmative Prayer, activating the power of yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. 
Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Reverend Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Looking for the spiritual in your everyday life? Searching for meaning in the meaningless? Check out the book, Rants to Revelations, by Reverend Ogan Holder. Using his characteristic wit, humor, and storytelling, Reverend Ogan brings spiritual insight into practically every arena of human life. From issues of spiritual growth and family life to deep theological concerns about God and reality, he combines personal narrative with philosophical and scientific understanding to bring a fresh perspective into the life of faith in today's postmodern world. Pick up a copy of Rants to Revelations today from www.rantstorevs.com. Chris Michaels, host of Healing Your Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on Earth, a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. Experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Reverend Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. 
Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern on Affirmative Prayer, activating the power of yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Examine what it means to be sacred activists in service of compassion and justice. We may find ourselves asking, how do we become a sacred activist? Institute for Sacred Activism founder Andrew Harvey says, follow your heartbreak. His advice echoes Gandhi, who once said, whenever you are in doubt, apply the following test. Recall the face of the poorest and the weakest person whom you may have seen, and ask yourself if the step you contemplate is going to be of any use to them. Will they gain anything by it? Will it restore them to a control over their own life and destiny? So, whenever in doubt about the direction of your life, just ask yourself, what breaks my heart? Whose suffering is simply too much to bear? And then commit your life to alleviate it. Don't turn your face away from the pain and injustice that is so prevalent in our world. Courageously bear witness to it, and in prayer, dedicate your life to healing it. Gain more spiritual insight. Listen to Radical Spirituality and Sacred Activism with Adam Bucko, Mondays at 4 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, Looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose? Join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. ever find yourself stuck slow down and breathe bring to mind a person who you admire ask yourself what actions would they take would they make a list of possibilities how about making a list of the things that they're grateful for here's another reaching out and asking the person you admire for guidance finding yourself stuck is similar to being in a dark room with messengers of fear invading your goodness Pick yourself up, cut a hole in that wall, and let the light in today. 
Get more inspiration. Listen to Clarity 101 with Glenda Gibbs on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Central Time. Take the first step. You're worth it. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify. Spotify.